For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast. Well, friend of the show, Alison, had a power cut during midweek and missed the Liverpool game, had to watch it on playback. Alison, the, the goalkeeper at Liverpool, had a power cut of his own at the weekend uh, to continue Liverpool's dreadful home run after a brilliant home run before that. The previous two sides responsible for that were Burnley and Brighton. They met on Saturday and the Albion, well, it was back to normal, wasn't it, again? Low scoring and a draw against one of the teams around us. Welcome back to Normality, guys. <laughs> um, it's me today, Russell, with Peter, as usual. Hi, Pete. Hey, Russ. We have Andy Bass returning to us again. Welcome back, Andy. Yeah, nice to be here. Getting, getting semi-regular in the pod squad, good <laughs> to see. And making his debut for the pod squad is John Bradshaw, who you may know or you will know better as the Brighton Bard from Twitter and other such escapades. Hello, John. Welcome to the show. Hello, Bryce. Hello, chaps. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So, um, as we normally do, we'll go through some football news. We'll review the Burnley uh, match and also have a quick look ahead to Leicester. All of that coming up. But I think it's uh, probably a good place to start with you, John. Tell us a little bit about yourself, because you're stateside, aren't you? But originally from, I think you said Hove on the Albion Raw the other day. Um, is that right? So, so tell us more. Tell us more. That's right. I'm, I was born in Birmingham, um, but came down to Sussex in the year of our of our um, cup run, the FA Cup with Man United. I was an 11-year-old lad, Russ, came down, um, and I think that probably was a big factor in me then becoming a seagull. I was, I was uh, previously, I think I supported Spurs uh, on and off when I was a lad. But um, yes, I moved down to Horsham. Um, I went to the Brighton Polytechnic, as it was then, uh, back in the early 90s. And always lived in Hove or Brighton. And uh, I married uh, Melissa, my wife, um, 18 months ago. And it's been quite a couple of years, as you can imagine. But I live in the state of Oklahoma. It's uh, sandwiched between Kansas to the north and uh, Texas to the south. And really interesting place, but not like um, Church Road, where I used to live in, in, in Hove, as you can imagine. Um, just used to live just around the corner from the Goldstone, actually, uh, many years ago as well. So... 
Um, I'm here because of my wife. Um, I'm in a city a little bit bigger than um, Brighton called Tulsa, um, just east of the Great Plains. And in fact, yesterday was over there in quite incredible scenery. Um, so yeah, Sussex boy, born and bred, season ticket holder, um, big fan of the club, follow it a lot. And um, yeah, 18 months ago, I started a very little small project called the Brighton Bard or, or fun thing for me to do. I seem to be able to put rhymes together relatively simply. And I just did it as a little project for me to stay connected once I'd left the city and, and, the, and the county. And that seems to have a few people like that, which is, I've really enjoyed. And it's kept me in touch with the club and uh, you know people like you. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it's been a, an interesting couple of years. And um, I mean, I'm enjoying watching with so many other seagulls from the US, I must say, Stateside Seagulls is a, a supporters club over here, watching us do well, obviously, recently um, from across the pond. Yeah, it's growing and growing, isn't it? The whole stateside thing. We've had, you might have heard of the episode, we had Amir, who's a, an American national born and bred. Well, actually, I think he was born in Iran, but he's uh, brought up in the States. Um, and um, we've got Josh, who does the Together podcast. He's been on our show as well, who is a, an Englishman in the States, um, like yourself. Um, but there seems to be a growing membership. I've seen lots of stuff on Twitter. It's, it seems to be flourishing and uh, growing all the time. Is that is that right? Is that a fair reception? Yeah, absolutely. When um, when when COVID before the pandemic, you'd you'd get lots of people on the hashtag Stateside Seagulls in various bars and, and places um, in the US watching the games live. I mean, it's it's a great you know unless we have a very early kickoff, you know, the lunchtime kickoffs for for those on the West Coast can be difficult, but um, it's not a bad time zone to be. And I'm six hours behind you. Obviously, America generally varies between five and eight behind uh, um, London. Um, but yes, there's. There's lots of supporters. I must give a shout out to Stateside Seagulls themselves. Uh, we've got um, uh, Paul and Jason. They do a, they do a great job um, uh, promoting that. And as you may, I know I know listeners can't see this, but there's the the flag. They've got a little logo for for Brighton and Hove Albion, um, which um, you know in honour of or, or somewhat copies the the formal logo. And there's a really good community spirit, Russ. Yes, there's there's a lot of action on Twitter. I suspect on other social media platforms as well, but I'm just on Twitter really. And uh, um, yeah, there's there's some lovely stories of people of why they've followed, why they've become supporters, having followed our story for the last uh, 20, 25 years, really. Excellent. Is there a is there a particular Twitter handle for? I know obviously you've got your own one, the Brighton Pod, but um, for Stateside Seagulls as a membership, is there any any way people should go if they're listening to this and are yes. interested in joining? Yeah. Um, it's B-H-A-F-C stateside, Russ. Um, as I said, Jason uh, and Paul, and it may other, maybe, maybe, maybe some others, but Jason and Paul run that. Uh, they're not physically in the same place, but I know they've done, they put so much effort and work behind the scenes, but thank you for letting me mention them. They're, they're great lads. Um, B-H-A-F-C stateside, or the hashtag stateside seagulls, you'll find them via that as well. Excellent. Great. So, yeah, a little bit more about yourself in the footballing sense then. Um, and uh, guys, by all means, interject with any questions of your own as well, if you want. Um, I was just going to say, in terms of growing up, being a fan through the years, little John um, growing up with his shorts on and so on, uh, going to games, kicking around in the park, that sort of thing. What, what were the early days like? Who did you, who were your idols? Who did you follow? What, what attracted you to football, particularly in the first place? Well, going right back to... I used to play for the Cubs when I was six, seven, eight. That's my first game playing for the Cubs back in Birmingham. Very got great memories of that in um, in the parks up in in Birmingham. 
but when I came down, I think because it was the year of of the cup run, you know, Steve Foster, just iconic, you know, headband and stuff. He was just the the guy I, I sort of really looked up to um, as a 10, 11 year old. Um, but what's somewhat perhaps surprising or, or I find slightly embarrassing is I, I, I played, I played for, for many senior Sussex sides. I, I, I um, played for Lewis and Horsham and Stenning and, and Storrington and Lansing. So I, although I lived next to the Goldstone, I never went to the Goldstone, Russ, and, and um, I was playing all the time. And if I'm honest, I think whilst I always supported Brighton, I got even more um, passionate being over in the US. I mean, I, I season ticket holder, I went, I, I did travel a lot in my previous job, so I, I didn't go to every game, I couldn't. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's, I've always been a fan, but, but I'm almost more of a fan and more uh, au fait with what's going on in terms of, you know, behind the scenes and, and, and signings and potential transfers through podcasts like yours, actually. Um, so young, young lad, um, really was bitten by the bug with our cup run in 83 um, and season ticket holder, went to with Dean a lot, um, season ticket holder at the Amex for the first few years that we were there. Um, and yeah, just, just uh, yeah, hugely moved. I get quite emotional about the club because of where we've come from and what we've done. Um, I was living in Sackville Road the day of um, the Fans United day back in, in 97. And I, I was driving to play a game. And I remember all the, the people outside the, the, the pubs and, and the stadium and the Goldstone. And it was so emotional to see everyone getting behind us. And I, I, I certainly feel that's carried over when you um, hear about the, 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 the people over here, why they're supporting the club. It's so many people do actually know what happened and, and how close we came against Hereford mm-hmm. to going out and um, how lucky we are to have a club. And I, and I, yeah, I think we're very lucky to have the club. And I think that's, um, that, that perhaps should be remembered when things don't go so well um, luckily they are at the moment but when things don't go so well 20 years in football it isn't that long ago 25 years you know and uh, we're lucky to have a club and it's great that we're doing well at the moment yeah. it's very interesting that you mentioned that because um, that was actually the game that uh, started that started me on my journey to becoming a Brighton fan because I actually wasn't a bright I didn't attend the game as a Brighton fan because um, I was living in London at the time and looking to in the process of moving down to Brighton um so um I was actually a West Ham fan when I went to when I went to Fans United and um and I brought with me a, a Rotherham supporting friend and a Wildstone supporting friend who came down from London with me to watch it and we stood in amongst a load of um uh, Wolves and Charl- Wolves and Charlton fans um and it was just it was it was an incredible day, and I think I think it's the anniversary today, um, and it was absolutely amazing. Just like just thought the ball was going to go in the net in the North Stand net every time, every time the ball got crossed in. It was um, a truly special day, and uh, yeah, and that, but then that was like the the sort of seed for me in seeing that there was something to be a part of. I mean, I didn't really become start going to the Albion until a couple of years till we got to with the second season but um but that that for me was the key and uh, that struggle that struggle was this thing was incredible and um yeah you still you still feel it today still resonates today 
Yeah, it does show the kind of amazing side of football, doesn't it? You know, the kind of rival fans from all different clubs coming together and kind of supporting the cause. And, you know, because no one wants some of the team to go out of business. Everyone wants, you know, or even rivals because you don't want to lose your rivals because there's no point then after that. Because, yeah, it was obviously fans from so many clubs that day. It was a phenomenal day. And yeah, actually, and that, that was ironically, I think, the thing that kept us up on goal score, wasn't it, the 5-0 that day? Yeah. So. Just yeah, yeah just astonishing. So many, so many different clubs represented and, you know, people were buying us drinks in the pub afterwards and uh, it was, the whole day was just tremendous. Yeah. And it's amazing to think, I think it's 24 years later from that, isn't it? How close the club genuinely probably were to go out of business that, you know, that year. And, you know, yeah, sitting in and, you know, although we can't go at the moment with our 30,000 stadium now and in the Premier League, you realise how close we were to actual oblivion, like, you know, being like a berry and having to reform or, or Scarborough or something like that. You know, it was, that, it was you know, it's, I think when you weren't around at that point, it's probably very hard to realise how it was, how close it was if you were born since then or, you you know, you were too young to go at that point. But it, we were so close to going out of business. And if you say, kind of, we need to remember that when maybe when we had the bad times, because we, if we get were to get relegated from Premier League, we actually, well, we've been relegated from far worse leagues than that before. So... <laughs> Well, it's probably worth Pete mentioning it because, as you just alluded to, then if you're 20 and a supporter, you know you were minus five when all this went yeah. on. Um, and for people who want to look it up, you know, uh, Fans United was started by a, was the idea, I think, of a Plymouth Argyle fan, wasn't it? Yeah, um, Richard Wall, a yeah. young, a youngish lad, wasn't it? And and hmm. and then that day, February '97, um, fans from all around the country um, basically acting against corporate greed and, and the way football was going in terms of um, business. Now, we all know it's a business, but there was things going on, obviously, with our club that, that were, were terrible. Um, we had fans, well, Pete just said, I, I, I didn't, I saw a few fans, well, I saw loads of fans, but I saw a few jerseys, but as Pete just said then, and I'm sure you were probably there as well, um, sorry, Andy said, as, as, probably as, as Pete was there, and I'm sure you were as well, Russ, there were hundreds of clubs represented from all over the country that came down and, and yeah, it, it was a very special day, and I'm sure and there's the world blogs, as well. there was, there was web pages all about it all yeah. over the web, isn't there? And the world as well. There were some German clubs uh, represented and other things as well. People actually travelled across Europe for it. I mean, it was it was national news. I think from memory, wasn't it? It was like it was on the, all over the news and talked about. And it was just so it was so against what the you know the media almost put, portray football as. You know, the kind of thuggish side. Even then, was probably being more talked about. And it wasn't really stuff like that that was brought up. But it was it was so good to see a different side of the you know the fans actually do have a you know there is a connection between football fans. Yeah, so I mean, actually, funny enough, I did miss that. I missed pretty much all of those seasons because uh, I wouldn't say so much I'd fallen out of love with football, but although that kind of was the case, but I would have certainly attended if I could. But I, I was working every Saturday at the time and wouldn't have been able to get the time off. I was living in Southampton. Um, but I watched it unfold pretty much in the way Peter's described, you know, just the media coverage and including the national me- media coverage over here, obviously, in, in in the UK, and it was, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, the whole thing just felt very surreal, though. And as you as you said, it was early days of of internet dial-up. I think it was back then when Richard Vaughan kind of uh, initiated the idea, which uh, which we went on board with. And there's been many fans united days since. But I, I do think that coming together is one thing that's really significant about football. When in times of need, people do come together, which is great to see. 
recent examples being in the FA Cup with, you know, people shipping in for online virtual tickets for Marine. And I think also Eastbourne and Blackpool, they did something similar, which got less coverage in the first round, for example. And also the flying the flag thing. We've all been exiles or we are exiles in one form or another. Peter, your dad was a Brighton fan. You were brought up in London, but you've kind of, so you're a fan from a distance. I was from Sussex, but now living in London. And he's kind of, gone a little bit inverse with that he's come the other way around but John obviously going going abroad and I think the further away you are the more you do want to be in touch with elements of your identity from England um, which if you're a football fan that's one of the things isn't it and I think you do have a, a keener sense of identity in terms of football when you're further away and a lot of friends I've got um, from football in that era where I, I couldn't get to games, I just mentioned during the Fans United era, um, was again in the early days of the internet, slightly later in time than that, was meeting up with a load of fans on a on a forum, the vast majority of whom were exiles, and it was their way of channeling back in and keeping in touch with their roots, basically, which is which is a good thing to to keep doing, I think. And um, the interesting thing, John, I don't know if it's it's yet to come, but I, I'm not detecting a transatlantic accent yet. You know that weird. Keith Floyd accent thing. Josh has got it, actually, as we mentioned earlier. Um, the chief exec at Liverpool, who's just left, I think, Peter Moores, is it? He's got the most bizarre of them all. Um, it sounds really weird, is one. Uh, you haven't got that yet. I'm sure it's, it's yet to come. <laughs> no. Funnily enough, Russ, I, was, I don't know why it came up on YouTube. I was just listening to or uh, watching an interview when, um, oh, goodness me, Chris Waddle joined Marseille. And he was describing a goal and his accent was French. And we got Joey <laughs> Barton, that famous Joey Barton clip. Oh, where, yeah. was, that, yeah. was, he, was that French as well? I think it may have been. Yeah, it was. Um, it was so French, accents yeah. are... Yeah, funny thing. No, if anything, I'm getting my pronunciation and my English is probably better over here because everyone is very friendly. If I open my mouth, someone will stop me and say, where are you from? But of course... Yeah, I say normally when someone says your accent's really interesting, I say, well, so is yours. If you're in the UK, it's all it's all relative, isn't it? But no, yeah. I will. Um, I don't intend to 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 change, Russ. But then <laughs> it might happen. We'll never know. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that's all good. And uh, Peter, you haven't got a Cockney accent or anything, have you? Now you're moving down south, southeast. I don't yeah, know. I don't, it's not east enough. Southeast isn't quite the Cheltenham's not quite the Cockney territory. I think it's uh, not <laughs> far enough east. I think. In, in terms of um, with Tulsa, I'm presuming that's the famous Tulsa from the song, um, as alluded to by Aidy at the end of the Albion Raw podcast you appeared on. Um, so what, what sort of, I mean, because that's fairly southerly, isn't it? Do they have a pretty strong twang to their accent there? I'm guessing they do, do they? It's a bit like, um, you know, Manchester and Liverpool not being very far apart geographically, but having different accents in as much mm. as if you go west to the, we were there yesterday, said 400 miles west in the Great Plains, there is more of a, a, a twang. Perhaps we compare it to a um, West Country accent, a little, you know, a little mm. bit, a little bit different. Um, but not really. I mean, if you if you put a pin in the map of America, we're not actually that far south. It's it's considered a southwesterly state, oddly enough. But Tulsa is northeast of Oklahoma, so you know, Chicago's not that far away. It's only six hours, seven hours drive. Um, so it's it's quite a sort of if you go right to the west of Oklahoma, you have to go probably 650 miles. You have to remember that Oklahoma is 
literally bigger than England, I think, in terms of square mass. Not not as Britain as a whole, but um, as England. Yeah. So um, there. They're, it's a bit like Americans wouldn't perhaps pick up the regional twang so easily from the UK, whereas we probably would, being British um, or certainly living there. Um, over here, there, there probably is little subtle ones, Russ, but I don't notice them as much. If you go down to Dallas and Texas, yes, you're going to have um, a bit more of a twang down there. And then Arkansas to the east, and then you go Mississippi and you're right down to Southern Territory, and there'll be a real, uh, a real twang there for sure. I do, I do love the fact that in America that six or seven hour drive is uh, regarded as being pretty local. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I saw you smirking, Peter. <laughs> that's a solid away trip, that one. But, yeah, over, over here, that's trip. pretty much up in north of Scotland almost, isn't it? Or certainly well into Scotland. It absolutely is. The, the ranch, my wife's family have got a, a big ranch in the Panhandle. Um, very interesting place in terms of where the Dust Bowl happened in the 30s, almost the epicentre of, uh, of um, the Dust Bowl and... Uh, yeah, it's the 412. If you look it up, the 412 just doesn't span America, but it, it pretty much ties together from the Rockies. I think it ends up in New Mexico, but it goes near the Rockies and Colorado, uh, near Colorado, then right across to um, quite near the East Coast. So, and it's pr- pretty dead straight. Um, and you've got to be, yeah, you, a coffee's quite useful when you're driving on that for hours on end, for sure. I bet, definitely, yeah. And also, with, with it being Oklahoma, do you, do you wake up every morning singing, oh, what a beautiful morning? I have to ask it, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew there was a, I knew there was a, a musical. Um, my wife is the one to talk to about that. She, you know, her, her era is 20s to 50s music. The 30s, probably her favourite. So, right. so she's her, or she's one of seven so when and six of them are, are girls. So when they get together, they they do the singing, Russ, not me. But they do have a sing song, and they um, yeah. I, I unfortunately I don't know. I don't think I know any of the songs from Oklahoma. Is it actually in the song that one? Yeah, and I think from, it, it's from the music. I think the, the chorus ends. Yeah, yeah, and the, the chorus ends. Um, everything's going my way. So maybe it's more of a match day song you could sing yeah. there. <laughs> my suit it perfectly. I dare you to but, sing it in the North Stand when we're back at the Amex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i might be giving that one a miss <laughs> oh brilliant that's it's good though it's great well um it's, it's great to have you on the show we're glad to have you with us and um obviously being in the states you as you probably already mentioned you um you catch the games on tv i think you, you can watch everything can't you in the premier league wise over there is that right and do you have access yourself to that yeah it's i think it's about to change right it's an interesting time to ask that question nb uh. NBC Sports Gold, NBC has the rights to the Premier League in the US. Coincidentally, my wife had never had a TV until uh, nine, ten months ago. So when, when I, we only have recently got a TV and it's called, it's a streaming TV. So it's no cable, it's no satellite, it's just like a big computer. And one of those, hmm. um, one of the apps is Peacock TV, which is owned by NBC and it's there. What they do is they don't show all the matches on NBC. They siphon off maybe a third of them and put them on Peacock. So I do get um, a third of the games live. So I watch roughly a third of our games. Um, sometimes, sometimes it feels more than that, but probably roughly a third for the pricely sum or princely sum of $49 a year. Um, so, But the reason I say it's an interesting time is I think there's a big change coming over here in terms of Premier League accessibility. Um, Mainstream media reporting two weeks ago that NBC is closing down its sport network. Now it it owns Peacock, so it's not 
doesn't look like they're going to stop doing the Premier League. But people are reading between the lines and thinking a lot. Everything will go on to Peacock as a streaming service because that's obviously the future. Um, and I suspect their prices will go up. So there's a lot of. Uh, it's an interesting time to be a, to, to be having access to, to, to the the Premier League over here because I think things are going to change. But certainly. Uh, I'm watching more games than I ever did in the UK. I never subscribed to Sky. I didn't have BT Sport. You know, I, I didn't watch many games. So it's a bit of a treat uh, unless we have a weekday game because it's right in the middle of the workday here and I <laughs> end up not doing any work. But um, yes, Peacock TV is the, is the NBC-owned streaming service. And I think uh, you'll see in the future from what it looks like, everything being put onto that platform in, in, in the next year or two. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, in the meantime, let's move on to some footy news then for the rest of this half. Um, there's been quite a bit going on. I mean, first of all, um, there's been the daily doses of racism as usual. Um, it's just carrying on and on and on. What's more, unfortunately, um, there's, well, there, there's two incidents um, have occurred related to the Fulham West Ham game. Firstly, the ridiculous sending off of uh, Suchek in the game, which was absolutely preposterous. Um, I don't know if you, you all saw this, guys, by the shakes of heads, I'm guessing yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, right at the end of the game, it wouldn't have affected the game if, in essence, but um, he was just trying to draw his arm away and caught very gl- gently glanced his elbow into the face of Mitrovic in a completely non-sinister way. Mitrovic made the most of it. Um, he did actually get up and apparently try and play it down afterwards and try and avoid the player getting sent off. But Dean, after Mike Dean, after several contemplations of the video, um, of the VAR monitor and on encouragement from them, decided to send him off, um, which was ridiculous. It has already been overturned. That's the first thing to mention. But the other really unsavoury side of that, as much as I'm not a fan of Mike Dean overall, I do think he's been better recently for us. Um, but he has made some mistakes, including the Southampton game the previous week where there was uh, red cards over overalls and all sorts. Um, but he, he's received death threats and I think his family has as well today, which is absolutely disgraceful. On top of everything else that's been going wrong on social media with abuse and threats and all sorts, um, it really just isn't. It isn't on at all. And it's an absolute disgrace, isn't it? And it really, we've said this already on the podcast, it's time they took responsibility and, and they've got to just stop people getting on there unless they can be accountable somehow. Because uh, it's it's becoming a daily procession. There was a Man United women's footballer who was racially abused as well. There was someone, uh, one of the Man U men's players was abused again as well, one of the young lads. And I think some others in the lower leagues as well. Um, so lots of unsavoury stuff going on there. There was also an interesting incident happened at Chesterfield. Um, I was typing some notes up for this and I typed into my phone Chesterfield and it amended it on also correct to Cheetahfield, which <laughs> obviously tells you what I've been recently calling them. Um, I've got to get out of the habit of doing that. We've got to let things go, haven't we, guys? The brown envelopes of, what was that, 20 years ago now? Something like that? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, yeah but, but anyway, Chesterfield, as they are properly called, um, they got into a bit of hot water and when three of their players, and I think two or three of their staff members as well, were given vaccines, um, around developed. Um, essentially, people got wind of it, and um, there was some abuse held at the local NHS staff for having done this. But apparently what had happened was there was some that was going to go to waste because presumably people hadn't showed up or or estimates were wrong or whatever, and it was going to go to waste. And they, they actually said, look, do you want to use these? Because they're not going to get used. It's going to be a waste of them. So they, they took them up on it. That's all there was to it. I don't think there was anything untoward happened. But again, the abuse of the staff, just you know with all they're having to deal with 
on top of things like the hoax accusations, you know, being shouted while they're trying to save lives. Uh, we really do live in troubled times, don't we? And while there's loads of brilliant stories um, through COVID, it's, it's brought up a number of, of great heartwarming human stories have come out of that. There is also the unsavoury side and we, we just never seem to stop letting ourselves down as a race, do we really, as a human race? Um, but I don't know if you guys have got any comments on that one, but uh, if not, I'll move on to other matters. Um, the other matter, of course, and this is classic Little England, one of the things you probably left behind, John. Um, I don't know if you picked up about the Jackie Weaver story, parish councils. Does that ring any bells? I've seen the t- a headline, a Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, a Zoom yeah. call, parish council thing that went viral. It was recorded. There's obviously some history going on and it turned into a real slanging match on there which has gone around the country they appeared on channel four and all sorts um it was quite amusing um if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about we just probably recommend they google it just google, just, just Jackie, google weaver. jackie weaver and you'll see it yeah it's yeah. hilarious and we should clarify this isn't anything to do with the rather fine australian actress so it's nothing to do with her this is definitely somebody in cheshire little england <laughs> getting into uh, into some hot water that was uh, entertaining um I don't know if there's any other football news that's come up other from you guys. The only thing I was going to mention was um, on the Albion front, um, brilliant result for the women's team. They've been really struggling recently. They had a dreadful 3-0 defeat to Bristol, who are the bottom side, and um, and they've won a horrendous goal difference. It, losing 3-0 to them was a really bad result off the back of a bad run. What do they do? They turn it round by winning 2-1 at 33-game unbeaten Chelsea, um, pretty much the best side in the country at um, Chelsea's ground, which is Kings Meadow, um, coming from behind as well to win 2-1, a late winner. Brilliant result, guys, wasn't it? That's uh, really good. It's ironic, yeah. ironically, Connolly got the winner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's really good news because I think, it, like, after there's been a lot of investment in the, in the women's team, I think people had high hopes for them. And we seem to have gone, we seem to have gone backwards a little bit with the women's team. And they think, oh, this is, you know, it's a, and, and then for this result, it's a massive shot in the arm. Um, and and the winner was extraordinary. It was a direct corner that just just floated in, yeah. floated into the just past the near post. It was absolutely extraordinary. Um, I thought the the Brighton goalkeeper was absolutely superb in that game. Um, she, I think it's, her name's Walsh, and she had a lot of work to do, but made some excellent saves. It was a, a bit of a rear guard action from from the team in terms of having to defend against like one of the best teams in Europe. Um, but it was an absolutely outstanding result. Again, you know, there's a lot of resilience going through the football club as a whole at the moment. And uh, it's nice to see that it's, it's spreading to all the teams. I think, you know, the, obviously, you know, the men's team is very resilient at the moment. And, um, and the 23 has got a 6 1 win, didn't they, on the yeah, Friday yeah, night? I think it was. Some yeah. really nicely taken goals in that game as well. So, uh, did any of yeah. you guys see the Steve Sidwell interview? Um, I think it was BT Sport with Rio Ferdinand and uh, who else? It, I, I, it got so many, at least on Twitter, it got so much positive feedback because it was almost um, behind the scenes look, behind the curtain as to really when it comes to bringing the right players giving them personal, I mean, personal fitness training plan is pretty obvious, but but being so precise, being so, I mean, it sounds a bit uh, mechanical, but being so aware of the individual needs of each player, no matter what age they are, and bringing them through and understanding 
um, you know, as, as they get passed up the age groups and the coaches within different age groups, you know, the paperwork that goes with them being so thorough as to, to where their strengths and weaknesses are. It, it was a really interesting insight. Uh, I don't know if any of you hmm. guys saw that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really good, yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was fascinating, and um, it just goes to show that like, the attention to detail there is at this football club, and that there's a plan. You know, you know, I know that you know when the results weren't going our way, there was a lot of you know there was some huff and puff about you know should we change the manager and not it's just, you know it's the same old same old, but it's not the same old same old. It is there is a plan. But, you know, it takes time to come to fruition. And then we are starting to see the results now with a sort of consistent level of performance from the from the team. Um, you know, a slightly more consistent lineup, it must be said. Um, but also with the new, the, the younger players that we're bringing in as well, just seeing what style of player they are and what, what it is that we're trying to try to achieve. And for, it was really exciting for me. I mean, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. I just, it's, almost, yeah. it's almost more exciting than where the players who don't quite make it go as well. I mean, players like Max Sanders, who obviously left last week, went to Lincoln, who were looking like they could end up in a championship next year. And whereas our players who didn't make it before ended up in a you know, non-league abyss or dropping down and quite often, you know, kind of ending up not playing after the age of 24 or 25, you know, we'd end up, you know, we'd, we end up now with players who actually did make it, who get quite probably quite decent sell-on fees as well. So we might make more money in the future. And it's a really promising thing that we can show players that even if they don't necessarily make it at Albion, they will get a good good grounding, a good development, and then hopefully longer term make a career out of it. And that's really positive, I think. Yeah, I, I saw the interview as well. It was very interesting. And um, actually, I've got a mate of mine who's a Lincoln fan mentioning Lincoln. Uh, if you're listening as him, you sometimes are high as. Um, but... Um, yeah, he's, he's saying it's an interesting project they've got going on there. They've got, they said Appleton's got them playing a really good brand of football. It's a kind of pretty much a total football thing going on there. They're playing passing out from the back, high press. They've, they've got overlaps, all sorts of stuff going on. There's, there's a clear DNA of sorts going on there as well. And I think there's a few clubs up and down the land at various levels who are trying to do that. And for us to be doing it at the, at the top level, well, not in terms of Champions League, but the top level in terms of division, um, it's, it's brilliant. It's so exciting, as Andy says, and I'm so proud of the club for, you know, we've got nothing directly to do with, with that, but we can still feel indirectly proud of the fact we happen to support a club that happens to be well run like this and is doing so well with with the whole the whole broad scope of, of, of every every facet of the of the club, basically, isn't it? It's it's really great to see long may it continue. And, and I'm certainly glad the women's teams turned it around as well, because Hope Powell was probably starting to come under a bit of pressure there as we seem to be plummeting. So I'm glad she's just got that turned around and hopefully they can build on that from there. Um, in terms of young players we've mentioned, some of them we might get to see this week because we've got the cup match. We'll do a quick preview on Leicester later, but um, we might need to use some of them because we've had a couple of injuries, didn't we, um, coming up recently. Solly, of course, went off injured the other day. Um, looks like um, it was a knee injury. He's had surgery, thought to be out for maybe about 12 weeks, which may or may not mean the end of the season in reality. Apparently, the surgery's already been done and it's gone well, so at least, at least that's something. Yeah, at least it doesn't um, hopefully won't miss pre-season, which was a worry that if it would carry on to next season, even if he's out for the rest of the season, at least he'll be back for, for pre-season. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So whether we see Kabovnik or whether some other makeshift arrangement is done or whether they try and stick with Burn there, I don't know. We'll see. Um, the other well, one was Webster. Burn at the full-back or left-back last time. When we yeah. 
exactly. But Webster, um, I, I think it seems to be a, a more incidental knock, or at least that's what we think. So hopefully he's okay. I would imagine they'll probably let him sit out the, the Wednesday match, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's been on the safe side. That's confirmed he's missing Wednesday. But oh, yeah. it is. Sorry, okay. Out yeah. of, but suggests that hopefully after that he'll definitely be okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. Um, and I think that's pretty much it in terms of general football news. Unless anyone else has got any anything to add in, we'll probably take a short break there and come back in part two where we will review the Burnley game in full and we'll have a look ahead to that aforementioned Leicester game. Okay, back with part two then of the latest episode where we are now going to review the Burnley game. It's me, Peter, and it's Andy Bass, and it's John, our Brighton Bard, with us as well. Um, so, guys, a one-all draw. It's back to the routine, isn't it? Um, first half, for me, much better than the second. Um, what were your takes on it? I mean, Peter, first of all, what did you think? Yeah, I think, um, to be honest, I wasn't surprised with the result. I think we all, on the previous show, we all said we thought it might be nil-nil, actually, I think was the, the, the prediction. But I, a draw was always a fair a fair chance. I was, to be honest, I was quite surprised by Burnley. They're, they're normally quite defensive and quite, you know, kind of like take set pieces and that sort of thing. But they actually attacked quite a lot and I think had doubled the number of shots we did. And I was actually quite impressed with them. I thought we looked quite quite tired second half. I think we put a, lo- a lot into the Tottenham Liverpool games, th- three games in the space of effectively six days in terms of hours as well. So I wasn't surprised that we we maybe lost our way a bit second half. I was very surprised we scored from a set piece at Burnley. That was a uh, unusual, <laughs> given our, our lack of scoring from them and Burnley being very very good at set pieces. So and the fact they left Duncan Mark, which was pretty pretty surprising. But overall, to be honest, delighted with the point considering the week we've had. If you'd offered me seven points before you know, the Tottenham game for those three games, I would have been delighted. So it would be ridiculous to say anything other than I'm very happy with the point now. Yeah. And certainly the fact that we got those two wins beforehand made this regulation draw against the team around us um, not particularly painful or frustrating as much as it would otherwise have been, I think. Um, John, would you agree with that? And uh, what, what was your view of the game? Yeah, as um as Pete said, especially second half, we were tired. We, sh- we were shattered, I think, mentally and physically. Um, I, I I was relatively relaxed, and I think one of you guys uh, last couple of podcasts mentioned that it was quite strange being uh, okay and not feeling too bad watching us play. Listen, if we'd lost, we wouldn't have had too many complaints, would we? So I think luck, a little bit of luck, went our way. Um, to be honest, they had a goal disallowed, obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't think we played that differently than before. It was Andy Kay a couple of episodes ago that mentioned. We're not playing that differently. We just had a bit of luck, or the, the you know, we've 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 we're not suddenly our good fortune, our good run hasn't been because of a huge t- change in tactics. Yeah. Um, I think we look relatively solid, just very tired, and got to be happy with a point in Burnley. And Andy, would you go along with that as well? I, I, absolutely, um, delighted with that point. I thought I thought it was a very good point, um, especially on, on the back of two great results. But um, but yeah, I think. I think we were. I think the Tottenham and Liverpool games did take take a lot out of us. We had, you know, two quite you know long travel days for for two of those games as well. Um, but we were we were resilient. We were again very resilient. I thought Sanchez was just outstanding in our goal. I, I thought you know Burnley were brilliant in the second half. They absolutely took it to us. Um, 
they were doing they were doing what we do to teams. I mean, they, you know, they had these lots of lovely um, through balls that were reaching, you know, like Vidra and Barnes or or Goodmanson trying to get on the end of those lovely. Um, and we just were a bit leggy in getting in getting in getting in position to close them down. I thought they they attacked very um, well from the uh, from the right. I think it was in the second, the second just out on the wing. We just couldn't stop them on the wing. That was the delivery was really good. We really had to, we really had to dig it out. Um, I, you know, we we defended, got our bodies on the line again. Sanchez, superb. Um, it was great. Yeah, an absolute, a great point. I think Burnley were disappointed not to win it, and if they had won it, I certainly wouldn't be complaining about it. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, in, in a way, the lethargy we suffered in this game was pretty much the same as Liverpool suffered against us, wasn't it? It was just our turn uh, on the same kind of um, same kind of carousel, I suppose you could say, throw in another American musical reference. Um, <laughs> um, sorry about that, guys. Uh, anyway, but no, what you've said is borne out of the stats. I mean, we had, um, they, they had six block shots to our two, um, which is, I think says a lot about what you've just said. In fact, some of that was in the first half rather than the more pressurised second half, funnily enough, but um, but 20 shots in total on our goals, uh, on, on on goal in general, um, seven of them on target. We had 10 and two on target. So, you know, they were much the better side in terms of the stats. And certainly in terms of that second half, we were hanging on and I was pretty happy to get a point from that game. As I said, off the back of the previous two results, we can afford to be happy with that um, anyway. And um, it's another point... Uh, towards safety, isn't it? 25, I think it would be a low points tally to survive. We're up to 25 now. We're still two ahead of the points per game tally now after the two wins we recently had. And the other results went our way, really, didn't they? Fulham uh, were only able to match scores with us. West Brom lost and um, Sheffield United lost as well now. So um, the only disappointment was Newcastle winning, but they're still below us on goal difference. So all in all, I'm pretty happy with that. And we can... uh, we can't completely put our feet up and start smoking cigars, can we yet, guys? But um, we can at least feel a little bit at ease here. And if we can carry on drawing like that now, we'd be safe, ironically. Um, but I would like us to, to to have a little bit more of the Liverpool and Tottenham action again. Uh, John? I think one thing that game, and indeed the, the previous ones as well, have done is put the, the uh, Sanchez-Ryan... Um, choice to, to bed hasn't it I mean Twitter was yeah. just quite rightly as uh, Andy or Pete mentioned earlier on he had such, Sanchez had such a great game commanding you feel really confident and no one can prove whether you know, it's, it's almost a pointless discussion would would Matty have got some of the, the, the made some of the saves that Sanchez did it doesn't really matter but he's the right choice and, and that's uh that's a you know foundation of a team really is you know build from the back and having a, a keeper in that kind of form at that age he's not old um, that's been put to bed now, which I think is a, also a great uh, piece of the jigsaw for the club. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, I, yeah, I'm a big Matty Ryan fan. I watched him. I watched some of his game um, on Saturday as well, where he actually he, he played very well. Um, he was completely done by some terrible defending in the first minute, um, yeah. but after that, he, he seemed to he seemed to do well, and I think it's a good move for him because the move. For Sanchez, for us, is is really good. I don't think, you know, I don't think it's an accident that we've we've halved our sort of goal concession rate since since um, since Sanchez has come in. 
Um, I think there is a there is a sense of confidence there from from the back four that maybe wasn't there before, or, or uh, you know, and he just comes out, gets crosses, and just gets in the way. He seems a very ambitious, laid back but ambitious kind of player. Um, he seems to have a very good attitude. Um, yeah, just top notch display on on Saturday. I thought, um, and. You, you go back to previous seasons. That's easily a game we could have lost. That's easy, you know. You know, a different version of this team would have lost lost that game. But we seem to be made of sterner stuff these days, which is great news. Yeah, it's no coincidence that the three wins we've had recently have all been one nils. And as you said, it's not at the top end; it's at the back end where we've made the difference. And you know that that's been a vital difference, I think, probably certainly in terms of taking the pressure off. Anyway. And um, next up, we've got Villa, where we might have the chance to do the double. We'll get on to that later on down the line. But in terms of this game, I mean, just a few incidents in the game. I don't know if things worthy of note. There was the handball, wasn't there, early on, which led to the near post save from a free kick from McNeil. Um, and I think actually the scramble from the corner was immediately after that. All of that came from a slightly contentious moment. Dunk was pushed. Even though it was even contentious, was it? It was a dreadful decision. Yeah. Well, I th- he definitely got pushed. I think he definitely did make some kind of motion with his arm afterwards, but then isn't he entitled to if he's been pushed? I think, yeah, he's up in the back, kind of moved, made him move his arm and hit the ball. It was how the linesman saw the, the handball, but didn't manage to see the job in the back. It's, yeah. Know, it was a dreadful yeah. decision. And actually, it was one of a number of where I thought we should have had three kicks over the game. I thought, Actually, the referee and well, the linesman in that situation were as bad as we've seen for a while on Saturday. Nothing contentious, yeah. but a number of clear fouls that were, were given. A number of times where Burnley were quite a physical and quite aggressive. With a was one of an elbow in the second half on McAllister as well, which was not punished at all. And actually, the referee, which helped Burnley because they are quite a physical team, the referee let the game flow probably far too much. And actually, it's the only gripe I've got from the game because I think overall we were they were the better team. But I yeah. think on the whole, he let them get away with rather strong arm tactics and quite clear fouls on a number of occasions. Yeah, I think uh, two key features I was going to mention, you've just you've highlighted them there. Um, Albion not getting a rub, rub of the green in terms of decisions for niggly fouls and Bernie being physical. It's, it's two really typical features of, of our recent times, isn't it? Um, there was the incident with, I'm trying to remember who it was now, that, um, oh, it's McAllister, I think, was forearms, wasn't he? Yeah. Which I, I thought that looked... Like it could have could have been a red. Definitely a lot definitely... worse than the Suchek one. So. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing was, McAllister was was running into the box at great pace, and I just, I, you know, uh, and the, uh, was it Westwood or Cork? I mean, just stuck his arm out and just. I think it was Westwood. Yeah, you know, clotheslined him. It was just like, and that, yeah, that uh, possible red card, and it should have been a penalty. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, if it's in the box, it should be a pen as well. And he did. Did he get? Did he get anything for that? Now I presume not. No, if you no, didn't no. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? And there was also the challenge fairly early on, I think, where there was a yellow given. That could have arguably been a red. I don't, I'm yeah. not sure it was, but it was. It's one of those where it was quite flighty, shall we say? It was, was. I think is the term they use, isn't it? <laughs> Agricultural challenge. That's going to be our cliche of the day. We haven't had one of those for a while, actually. There we go. We've got one in. Lovely. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, they are very physical, aren't they? And you just have to grin and bear it because they, they're always going to be like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's a Sean Dyche team, isn't it? They do what they do. Um, John, any, any other thoughts, any particular incidents caught your mind, uh, caught your attention in this one? 
just Ashley Barnes didn't do us any favours, did he? But you wouldn't expect him to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And there, there was a disallowed goal, wasn't there? I'm, I think I was nothing contentious in that, really, was there? I'm trying to remember, actually, um, how it came no, about. I can't remember it. He was offside. Wasn't it? And a header, and then didn't he put in a rebound like that? When the, but originally he was offside when the first ball went in there. Oh, that was it. That was it, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, no gripes with the result. I think, if anything, quite quite grateful to get the draw. Um Interestingly, Bernie, I noticed on those stats as well, had a lot of shots um, inside the box, which is interesting. I think they've tended to get quite a few things, either from set pieces, uh, which obviously is, tends to be in the box if it's uh, a corner, um, or um, long ranges. I think it was it was Hendricks that scored that annoying goal against us, the equaliser. Was it last year or the year before? Yeah, yeah. last season yeah. when we were. Yeah, so, but overall, um, yeah, we move on to the next one. Um and unless anyone's got any further comments on Burnley, let's get on to that next one. It's Leicester, isn't it? The Cup. Uh, we've got no idea, even less than we would normally have, as to what Graham's going to do with the team for this one. Um, Leicester are looking good. We've, we've talking beforehand that Vardy's going to be back for this, probably uh, starting. Um, they, they're, they're kind of strong. Their, their squad's good. So I think even if they have a rotation on their squad, I think um, for the starting lineup, I think it's going to be a, a really tough ask. 3 0, wasn't it? A comfortable defeat earlier in the season. We really weren't in that match at all. Um, I think we're probably a, a better um, proposition now than we were when we played them before. But it's going to be tough to get anything from this game, isn't it? Does anyone have any confidence in this uh, fixture? Um, I think I think I do. I think there's a, you know, this is. The Brighton and Albion team is quite difficult to get in at the moment. And it's actually even mm. quite difficult to get on the bench at the moment. There's an awful lot of players that are not getting an opportunity. And, you know, this, this competition provides a vehicle for people to put their hand up and uh, make themselves known. And, they, you know, and they're whilst, you know, delighted with the way the first team's playing at the moment. There are other players that I would like to see us play that you know I'd like to see out give them a bit more time I mean obviously um, the obvious ones like Percy Tower who I probably will get a game um, but the two young Polish lads I'm very excited about them mm. you know will they get a look in will will they get some game time um, there's some you know there's some other you know young players from the under 23s that have performed well when they've been asked to in cup competitions so far this season. Um, and and we've got a chance to win. I mean, the, I think it's, it's, it's tough for all the Premier League teams at the moment because there's so many games. Um, so many games are coming thick and fast. Um, Leicester have still got a chance to make a push for the title. Um, certainly Champions League um, football next season. Um so, you know, there might be an opening for us in the Cup, especially yeah, especially with those results in the league going in our favour um, over the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I think this is an opportunity for us to to, to spring a surprise. So I'm looking forward yeah. to this game. I think it's good. It should be a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not so... Yeah, I, I really want to be as optimistic as uh, Andy is, I think. I don't necessarily think we've got a great chance, but I'm quite looking forward to seeing yeah one one or two other players as well. And it's quite nice to have the pressure off of the, not being in the league as well. Although in some ways, I suppose a lot of the players could do without this game, especially with Villa not playing this week. But 
in, in other ways, yeah, it'd be quite nice to see a few of the few younger players playing without the pressure of the Premier League and see what happens. And they have got a nine-day break after Villa because the Palace is on Monday, which is quite good. So they've at least got a bit of time off. Yeah. We might have a time off as well then. Might have a breather. Who knows? <laughs> I'm tired towards the end of this pod. You know, I'm kind of like holding <laughs> in for the draw rather than attacking much, you know. It's we'll like... have to rest you for one, yeah. 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 But uh, no, I mean, it's funny because with, with those two wins, it's transformed things a little bit in terms of the table now. And um, while there's always going to be some extra cautious people who would say, no, no, I don't want anything to do with the cup. Just want to make sure with the league. I think most people would probably afford themselves the luxury of thinking we would like to go on a run here. And, and John, you're, you mentioned at the top of the program, your first year or round, the, round about the first year of the cup run. Um, and obviously having the joy of that. Would you like to see us go on a run this year? Or are you in that majority camp of people that would probably like to see us go further now, given our position looks safer in the league? I'm, I'm slightly embarrassed to, to say that for the first time in my life, I found myself saying, I'm a huge fan of the FA Cup. I'm a bit of a traditionalist and I love it. But I, I you know, th- as, as you're alluding to, thank goodness we have picked up some points recently. Because if we were if we were 16th at the moment or, seven, or 17th or 18th, I would be, I think probably, perhaps what we all would be saying, let's prioritise the, obviously prioritise the league. But I did find myself saying, you know, you, you, you get more, you're more likely to get injured when you're tired. Um, of course, yeah. we can rotate and we can put some fresh legs out there, but there'll be people who, many players who played at the weekend and also will play Villa next weekend. Um, so that's a concern. Um, but having said that, winning is a habit. And so if you can get another win, the, the, the confidence will just improve and increase even more. Um, the only thing I'd throw in there is perhaps, as, uh, as Pete alluded to, um, Leicester's, um, position means that they really are going to be focusing on getting a Champions League place potentially. If they were mid-table, perhaps they wouldn't. They'd, you know, the priority of the FA Cup would be higher in their terms as well. So, I'm I'm a bit split. I'm a bit embarrassed to say, you know, to to, to be a bit negative towards the FA Cup because I love it as a competition. But um, hopefully, we can rotate squad and, and and get through injury free and then be ready for Villa. Yeah, and there's some uh, some interesting games. I mean, I've always loved the FA Cup, especially rounds one to three. People always talk about round three, but I love the one and twos as well because, there's, you know, you've got the so-called giant killers at that stage. You know, you might get a Plymouth or a, um, a Swindon or somebody going to a non-league club, and for them that's already a massive game, and there's some, some interesting ties. At this stage, it does get a bit more Premier League-y, doesn't it? Um, there are some interesting ties, though. We've got the Eddie Howe derby, Burnley against Bournemouth. <laughs> Um, uh, and there's um, there's also Swansea against Man City, which is interesting because it's the uh, fixture that Graham Potter um, presided over from the Swansea point of view a couple of seasons ago, didn't he? So um, that looks quite attractive with Swansea going well again under Potter's uh, successor, Steve Cooper. So some interesting games there. I mean, it does look like because of the compressed nature of the, of the Prem, if we did happen to get through this game and you're into a quarter final, it does feel like... Um, a decent opportunity because teams, whether they be Premier League or otherwise, are going to be more tired. Every everybody feels more accessible in terms of beatability. Uh, I think um, I'd feel much more confident coming up against a Man United or a Man City even um, than than I would otherwise do in this particular season. But uh, Leicester is going to be difficult. It's seven thirty on Wednesday, by the way, for anyone that uh, hasn't already picked up on that. Um, I'm not sure if, what um, channel it's on. Actually, I'd had a look the other day and I couldn't find it. Is it on Prime? Or it's something? on. It's on BT. I think it's BT Sport. 
I think I was at the bu- on the button, got maybe. game on every minute of every day this week. <laughs> it really is getting like that, isn't it? Yeah. It's like an ongoing festival, isn't it? For months, yeah. a football festival. <laughs> yeah, a battle of two of our favourite clubs tonight in the Premier League. Yeah, of course. Yeah, let's not forget that. We're recording this Monday. We've got, of course, Peter's favourite, favourite team, Leeds, and every other Albion fan's favourite team, Palace. And it's the game we want them both to lose. Um, I, thought, I thought Leeds were literally everyone's favourite, second favourite team, weren't they? <laughs> Yeah, it's almost, almost. Um, so, yeah, I think Palace are lower down, aren't they? So, yeah, no, Palace, I'm, I'm quite happy for Leeds to win tonight. Yeah, they're uh, not going down, Leeds, are they? So, and, well, to be honest, neither are Palace, yeah, really. But, yeah, so. Leeds have been very entertaining this this season. They well, more than Palace, huh? that's for sure. Well, they, they've run out. They've run out of puff in a couple of games and hmm. got heavily beaten. I thought we played them very, very well, but. Overall, that, you know, Atlanta, didn't they? It was the one where Bamford had the goal to allow for having his arm stretched out for offside, and they lost four-one, I think, or something. Yeah, yeah. One of Palace's right. few good displays this season. Yeah, is this yeah, could be one of those games where Palace get absolutely ripped if they haven't got Zaha? So I might, I yeah, might keep an exactly. eye on that tonight. Maybe the old Palace yeah. sending off as well, like to make them bad. That would be good. Yeah. Yeah, Leeds are actually only goal difference above Palace, yeah, um, they're, they're by Southampton. Yeah. But yeah. Palace already have an inferior goal difference to us, four points. So, I, yeah, if they lose that game, they're in our sights again, aren't they? But they're both in the position where they're, you know, if they draw tonight, we're only five behind, and they're both they're both catchable for us if we're starting to look up rather than down. Which I'm still a little bit looking down because this, ten points can be caught. I mean, we've seen in the last week. I think the thing is with the Premier League, you know, when you're in a Championship going for promotion, winning three games in a week is not that big. You know, nine points out of like eighty-five, ninety is not that huge, but. Nine points out of, or ten points in four games out of the forty that even in a, even in a really tough season you need to survive is huge. You know, you need about a quarter of your points in the space of four games, and that's you know that's where we've suddenly gone from like you know almost doubled our tally in the space of the last month, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. And um, John, do you ever sort of take any truck with the uh, the Palace rivalry, and are you particularly keen to see us get above them, or not too fast? Just want to see us safe in general. Yeah, I, I there's enough negativity in the world I, I don't I one of my rules on Twitter on the account is 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 I did get involved with Leeds a little bit on the Ben White thing early this year but I'm <laughs> I I am really a, I, I'm an optimist <laughs> I'm glass half full I hmm. I'm very lucky I'm in a very positive person mentally and um I don't wish ill on anybody I, yeah I, I don't only care about us let's stay up um of course when we play Palace there's that extra um you know ammunition or, or tension but um, no, I, 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 as long as we're, as long as we stay up and we're building and going back to that long-term project that we all know is happening, um, yeah, I, I, I don't care about anybody else too much. We'll, we'll get past them eventually, and once we do, they'll fade into the distance. <laughs> so let's just buy that time and, and get there when we get there. Yeah, indeed. Well, we're going to wrap up in a moment. I know, John, you've got something lined up for us in a moment. We'll come to that. But just a quick, couple of quick questions for you as well uh, regarding, you mentioned earlier about your uh, your career in football, so to speak, with uh, various clubs in Sussex. Can you tell us a bit more about that in terms of what was it like? What position did you play? What was it like? And any famous players you ended up playing alongside in their twilights um, of careers, oh, etc.? I, I, I... If it's possible to be um, football dyslexic, I am. In as much as whenever I, <laughs> I played, I played for the teams I mentioned earlier on. Lewis was the highest I got. Lewis and Horsham. Um, but 
people always used to say this to me the season after. Do you remember when we played there? And I don't remember anything. I, I, I'm very strange when it comes to that. I don't have a very um, huge memory of it. Um, I When I moved to Horsham, I played Roffy Robbins. Let's give them a shout out. Roffy and Horsham. I, I used to play for Roffy Robbins, which I was 11. Um, then Horsham, Horsham YMCA. I mentioned the other guys earlier on. I don't remember a particularly famous player um, you know, playing, but I was up number nine up front. Um, I, you know, when it comes to Malpe and uh, Trossard, I feel, you know, when, whenever I see them struggling, and they have been struggling, you know, I feel some kind of affinity with them. <laughs> not that the my, my skill was theirs, like theirs, of course. I'm not trying to compare that, but you know, it's been tough watching as a striker, um, especially Neil. I, you know, he's he's not he's not being clinical. Um, so I felt I felt for him. Um, but yeah, lots of Sussex clubs, lots of travel. Um, but unfortunately, it did take me away from going to the Goldstone and, and watching the team, unfortunately, back in the day. Um, but uh, yeah. And it, Up- it really is about confidence then, isn't it? You, in terms of the strikers, just going on that point, you, I, I think you mentioned it on the other pod, but um, you, you were saying how it really is a confidence thing, well, for any player, but especially for, for forwards, because that part of the, the game they've got to provide relies on just catching catching it right, catching the knack. Yeah, I mean, the goalkeeper and forward can be compared because they're under so much spotlight. The goalkeeper's mm. only job is to save. The, the striker's job is to score. If you're a midfield or defender, there's a slightly, you, you know, slightly got more flexibility. You're not under the focus so much. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's... The only thing that helped me, if I do compare a little bit, is a goal. It wasn't anything else. Once that goal went in, in a game, um, it wasn't in practice. It, wasn't, it had to go in the game and, and I was feeling, feeling a lot better. Um, but as you know, Kieran mentioned on your pod a couple of episodes ago, if, if Mal, going back to Neil, if Malpe was clinical, he wouldn't be playing for Brighton. And I thought that was a really interesting comment. Yeah. We've got to remember where we are. We haven't yeah. got world-class players because we're not in that position. We've got players that are, fit our club. And yeah. he was quite right in mentioning that if, if Neil gets 12 goals this year, then that'd be about right. And he's on pretty much on target to do that. Um, mm. But no, going back to your question, I enjoyed playing. I got to see a lot of the county, you know, and, uh, so many great games, apparently, that I had. Um, <laughs> but and I've got lots of programmes that remind me and stuff, and I've just shipped all my stuff over from Hove to Tulsa. So I've, I've been going through lots of West Sussex County Times cuttings and, and old programmes for the games I played in. Um, but it's oh, I'm 50 next year, so I played for Lewis in the mid-90s with Terry Parrish. Terry Parrish. Um, and... Yeah, I played with. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 getting a few decades ago now, so it, it's uh, it's becoming a little bit of a, a distant memory. Excellent. Yeah, that's all right. That's good. It's good to hear. Anyway, so it's, it's interesting to hear from people that have played the game. Um, you know, it's it's always a good perspective. Yeah. So that pretty much rounds it up. Now, John, you've got something lined up for us to 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 finish the recording with, haven't you? Um. So do you want to, if you're ready, do you want to fire away with that? Um. Bearing in mind, guys, that we. We sparred a little bit on Twitter, I think, at one point. I'd been, we were following each other for a while, but I think there was one, one exchange that then led to this invite coming on. And um, you, were, you were certainly on top form that night, I think, if I remember, um, with your Twitter scribing. Um, <laughs> so uh, on a similar theme, I think that's what we're talking about that's coming up now. So this is going to be a first for the, um, maybe, maybe a last, you know, depending if, um, if you 
if you come back on, which you hope you will do, and you might do some more of these, but it'll certainly be a first anyway. Um, so far away when you're ready, sir. Yeah, a little poem for you. And what's great about here is it's Twitter obviously limits me to four verses generally, unless I do a limerick. Um, and this is a little <laughs> bit longer. So um, I, hope you, uh, I hope you all enjoy it. Russ and Pete and Andy too. Bring regular in Albion. I'll start again, I think. Russ <laughs> and Pete and Andy too. Bring regular Albion insights to me and you. Sharing the joy of our recent good run, and even special guests like Mark Lawrence. <laughs> what a few weeks. Hard to believe. And quick backtracking by some supporters who were, in my opinion, quite naive. I've supported Potter from the off. Under him, recent play has been sublime. Here's the weird thing. Long-term projects often take a long time. Get out of my club, some said on Twitter. I mean, come on. And I don't want to be bitter. But let's hope that's all behind us. Total support is the key. It's important that we all unite as a worldwide Seagull supporters family. Spurs and Liverpool, Burnley and Leeds. It's just been incredible recently to see us succeed. As for the future, results, gossip, who has made it into the squad. Sponsored by Seagulls over London, it will all be covered on the Brighton Rock Pod. Marvellous. Excellent. <laughs> Cheers. That's that's great, John. Thank you very much. Um, that, as I said, that's a first and we're, we're honoured and delighted to hear it. That's great. I'll be listening back to this episode now <laughs> to absorb it and take it all in. That's uh, great. And it's been great to have you on as well. So thank you for debuting with us today, uh, John. Thank you uh, for rejoining us again, Andy Bass and Peter. Um, it leaves us to finish in the usual way. So stand or fall. Up the Albion. And we're back just for one quick little addition to our latest episode. Peter, before um, when we had the guys on, we forgot to mention something, didn't we? The band got back together at Nottingham Forest. Yes, it was meant to be, wasn't it? Wickham away. Glenn Murray likes Wickham away, doesn't he? And what did he do? He scored after, what was it, seven minutes yeah. of his debut. Went on to score another goal. Knockhart got the other one later in the match. And Bong, I think, had one of the assists as well. So all, all of them started. Brilliant, eh? Yeah, brilliant. It was great to see the scenes at the end as well with them all kind of, uh, yeah, kind of getting together at the end and kind of looking so happy. So it was great to see Murray playing again. It was a real shame that whatever... Yeah, I, I wonder how many Watford fans when they drew at Coventry, I think, nil-nil, were wondering what Murray could have done for them if they'd actually used him properly rather than, you know, kind of actually never playing him, which is... Not... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it seems like a good fit, doesn't it? All the more so for him getting off to a good start. But um, as we were saying off air before, Hewton was getting under pressure. But really, it's a similar narrative to the one in his first half year with us, wasn't it? But he had to yeah, gradually, I mean, easy to carefully steer away. Quite a lot of fans on various forums and and on Twitter, I think, calling for him to be sacked the first season with us as well, which was frankly ridiculous. Yeah. Was shown yeah. how ridiculous it was by the next three and a half years before until the uh, obviously the final half season when he went wrong. But yeah, yeah. I mean, when, I mean, it does show what a job we did with us. Really, we were fifth bottom, I think, the final, the the the, the, the end of that season. That yeah, we, we weren't I mean, weren't that far clear, were we? And he took us yeah. to third place, 
level with promotion, you know, as we all know. So it's, it was a, yeah, and hopefully he does the same at Forest. Hopefully they can get knock-up permanently in the summer as well, because I think he's still a full yeah. yeah, that's right. And, yeah, so 3-0 away win uh, makes a massive difference to them. Better luck to them. And, of course, it's been a love-in on Twitter between Forest and Brighton fans. So all good. <laughs> Excellent. So, yes, I just thought we'd add that little bit in because we forgot to mention it in the pod. So we say once again, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.